Hello, friends. This is the Neatarts Friends Church podcast. We are Jesus people, Kingdom of God people, welcoming, yearning, sharing. And we're glad you're connecting here with us. We'd love to connect in person as well. If you're inclined to support this podcast or for more information, just hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. That's neatartsfriends.org. Let's jump into today's sermon. The words I'm about to read to you are from the letter of James, and they are ancient. They've been around for millennia. Cultures have changed time and time again since these words were written. Governments, political structures, economies, technology, it's all changed. And so we could just write these words off. We could say, well, they're just written to some poor people who were being exploited back around 60 AD, and that's that. Yet these words speak to something deeper, something that our Creator, the the Spirit of our Creator, has been trying to say to humanity since the very beginning. And so I want to ask you to listen to what these words might mean for you today. Uh, Just one question before I read them to you to reflect on. Who are the people that do not rise far from the ground of society? Uh, And who are the people that society elevates above all others and crowns them with marks of achievement and value? So what people are like just little tiny lumps of dirt, and what people are elevated like mountains within our society. Here's the scripture. I'll read it to you twice. Let the brother or sister who does not rise far from the ground of society be loud. Let them express a high degree of confidence that they are someone who is exceptionally noteworthy. Let them boast about how high from the ground they actually rise. It's like they matter. Nevertheless, the rich person among those who do not rise far from the ground will like wildflowers pass away. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beautiful face is lost. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their pursuits. God smiles on the person who endures, who remains behind in trials, because once they have become accepted, they will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So now that you've heard the scripture once, I'm going to read it again, and I want to ask you to listen one more time. Listen, asking Jesus to show you who are the people in our society that do not rise far from the ground, and who are the people that society elevates like mountains above all others 
and crowns them with marks of achievement and value. James chapter 1 verse 9 Let the brother or sister who does not rise far from the ground of society be loud. Let them express a high degree of confidence that they are someone who is exceptionally noteworthy. Let them boast about how high from the ground they actually rise. Nevertheless, the rich person among those who do not rise far from the ground will like wildflowers pass away. For the sun rises with scorching heat and it withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beautiful face is lost. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their pursuits. God smiles on the person who remains behind, who endures in trials. Because once they have become accepted, they will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Tom didn't like being Tom. It was written over every fiber of his being. He never smiled. He never made eye contact with anyone. He never asked any questions. He didn't start conversations. When he walked down the hallway, he kept his head down. He stayed close to the walls, out of the hustle and bustle of things. He avoided everyone. And when I met Tom, not his real name, he didn't have any opinions. If you asked him if he'd rather have a hot dog or a hamburger, he really didn't care. He didn't have an answer. No one had ever told Tom that his answer mattered. And so Tom was quiet. Sometimes I'd ask Tom a question and he would not respond at all. At first, I thought Tom was shy. But the longer I knew Tom, the more I came to understand that Tom's silence wasn't about being shy. I think that it was that Tom had never experienced what it meant to matter to someone else. He'd never experienced someone else actually enjoying who he was. There was only one thing in the entire world that Tom was actually interested in when I got to know him. Tom would go to the public library and check out fantasy novels, stories that took Tom as far away as possible from reality. And this is before the world of internet and Netflix, so it, it was what was happening. When I first tried to ask Tom what he liked about the books, the fantasy novels, which fantasy series he enjoyed, Tom couldn't actually tell me. As I asked more questions about the books Tom read, it became clear that I don't know if it was about the art. I don't know if it was about the storylines. The more we talked about the library books, the more I realized that the stories provided a temporary escape, like a, a moment in the day when Tom didn't have to be Tom. Tom lived in poverty, so old and dirty clothes, uh, not a lot of showers, his home was in ruins, Nothing but a library card to help him escape his life. 
When I got to know Tom, I don't know if he'd ever had a friend before. I don't know if Tom had ever had anyone make him feel like he was a person of worth. He'd always been below the ground of society. I don't know if he'd ever been to a birthday party or a sleepover with friends. I don't know if he'd ever laughed with a friend or told a story. He certainly hadn't had a friend for a very long time. Just a quick discussion question. I'm going to continue with the Tom story, but we talked on Sunday about this as a group, so uh, maybe you'll reflect on this, or if you're watching, listening with someone, you'll talk with them. What are some of the factors that can cause a person to feel that they don't matter, that they will never rise very far from the ground of society? What creates that? So go ahead, pause for a moment, and reflect on that. Have that conversation. It's only natural to wonder, am I special? Why am I special? Am I valued? Am I important to someone else? And every culture has a hierarchy that determines those who don't rise far from the ground and those who are elevated. Every culture has a story to tell about what defines and determines your worth and what makes you special and valued and important. And so the hierarchy determines who's in the majority, who's at the top of the food chain, who's a power broker, who's a mover and a shaker and an influencer and who's impressive and who has resources and connections and opportunities and who's valued and who matters. And the hierarchy determines who doesn't rise far from the ground, who gets silently left out, who's cut off, who's set apart from the majority, marginalized, disenfranchised, invisible, forgotten, ignored, expendable, given no real dignity, unworthy of any attention, unable to rise from the ground, and who's hated, who's oppressed, vilified, criminalized, denigrated, treated as less than, and sometimes as less than human. Well, in the ancient world of James, poverty was linked to shame, And wealth was linked to honor. The ancient Greek poet Theognis of Megara says, For the multitude of mankind, there's only one virtue, and that is money. Ironic. To call someone rich in James' day was a statement about their morality. It meant they had the power to take something from the weak. Only the top 1% of the population in ancient Palestine actually owned land. Many of the rest had lost their ancestral land through debt. Some had been sold into slavery. Others had escaped debt slavery by fleeing their land. Others were outcast from society, cut off from the, their religious and their social support systems. And so they now found themselves trying to survive in a world of day laborers, uh, the expendables, the ama arets, they're called, uh, the people of the land. These people who were 
shunned and, and outcast from all of the elites, religious, political, financial. The, the labor pool was much larger than the jobs to actually be had. So it created dynamics of competition among day laborers. And of course, there were just so many who were unable to rise very far from the ground. Over time, the criteria of the hierarchy of any culture changes. Uh, cultures change. So, so yeah, those who used to be at the top might get moved to the middle. Sometimes there are revolutions and wars and social movements, and so those at the bottom move up to the top. Those things happen. But no matter the flip-flop, new hierarchies within cultures are always born. So there are still those who do not rise far from the ground. And there are still those who are elevated. Every culture gives crowns of achievement and value and worth to those that they elevate. In the ancient Greco-Roman world of James, the crown, he references this crown. Well, the crown was the most coveted prize of the Olympic Games. Uh, it was the highest honor to receive a, a wreath of wild olives as a crown. It was this cultural symbol like, you matter. We might think of Facebook likes, Instagram followers, America's Got Talent, the Oscars, So You Think You Can Dance, the Great British Baking Show, Olympic medals, championship trophies, on and on and on. Our culture is saturated with their crowns, their achievement markers, and value markers that tell a person in so many different ways, you matter. Every crown of achievement sends a message about what it takes to matter in this world. Fancy new shoes to wear to the first day of school make you special. Being athletic or a new car makes you stand out or having money or being attractive, or being funny, or smart, or having a unique style, or a unique skill, or being part of an important family, or part of a club, or having friendships, being outgoing. But what if you have none of this? Tom had none of this. Tom had nothing. He had no one in the world telling him, you matter. He had nothing but a library card as an escape from a world where he didn't matter, escaping to a world where he could imagine people like him who did matter. Tom's poverty was bleak. And I remember getting, wanting to get to know Tom. I wanted him to experience someone else celebrating who he was. And so I'd ask Tom questions about himself. I wanted to give him an opportunity to brag on himself an opportunity to share the good parts of his life, like the things that interested him, his accomplishments, his achievements, to share the joy of what it's like to be Tom. But Tom didn't have anything to boast about. He didn't have anything to celebrate. I don't think Tom had ever known a time when he felt fully and completely loved. I, on the other hand, had loads of stories that I could tell Tom about things that interested me and funny things that had happened and dreams and invention ideas and opinions and books I'd read and experiences I'd had with friends. 
I knew what it actually felt like to enjoy being me and what it felt like to matter to someone, to be loved. Tom didn't have any of that. Tom didn't like being Tom. Am I special? Do I matter? The prevailing culture had already given Tom their answer. Not in bold print, but through a million different cultural messages about who matters and who's important, and Tom had gotten the message loud and clear, you don't matter, Tom. The world had moved on without Tom. It ignored Tom, overlooked him. It didn't need Tom, and so Tom had huddled inside of his shell, so far inside of himself that when I met him, I wondered if he would ever come out. Could anything bring Tom out of his shell? After living for so many years, being told in a million different ways, you don't matter. So another reflection question or discussion question, if you're listening or watching with other folks, have you ever witnessed someone coming out of their shell? What made them feel safe enough to do that? So take some time, reflect on that. Jesus expressed solidarity with those in the world who felt that they just did not matter. Those who did not rise very far from the ground of society, uh, the lowly, sometimes it's translated the humble. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and, and he uses the same language, I don't rise very far from the ground. That's solidarity. That's Jesus saying, I am in the same place you are in. He says, you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus aimed to create a countercultural community, the church, where solidarity replaces the cultural hierarchy and where celebration of people replaces competition, and where sharing of resources replaces hoarding of resources. A community that does not mirror the attitudes of the majority culture is what Jesus wanted. He wanted a community that does not mirror the the ways that the prevailing culture defines a person's value and worth. And so James in his letter is reflecting what his older brother Jesus taught. He's reflecting those values. James is reflecting what his mother Mary also ached and prayed for. And so he writes, Let the brother or sister who does not rise very far from the ground of society be loud. Let them express a high degree of confidence that they are someone who is exceptionally noteworthy. Let them boast about how high from the ground they actually rise. They matter. Now, 
Tom wasn't ready to do that. He wasn't ready to be loud. He wasn't ready to express a high degree of confidence that he was someone who was exceptionally noteworthy because that wasn't something that he believed about himself. He wasn't ready to boast about his value and his importance in this world because he had spent too many years hearing the opposite from everyone. And I couldn't change this for Tom alone. I was just one person. Even though I was telling and showing Tom that he mattered, I was just one voice amidst a sea of voices saying that he would never be significant, he would never be noteworthy or important for any reason. So what would it take for Tom to believe that he was someone who was exceptionally noteworthy? In the end, I was never the person who made the difference, I don't think. I was a part of a countercultural community, a church, and they were imperfectly committed to not mirroring the attitude of the culture about what defines a person's value and worth. And so I simply began introducing Tom to the people in that community and vice versa. And those people begin including Tom in the gatherings. At first, Tom was huddled deep inside his shell at every gathering. He would sit in the farthest chair away from people. He didn't want to talk to anyone. He wanted to leave right after the gathering was over. People would introduce themselves and they'd try to strike up conversations, but Tom had spent so much time believing that he didn't matter, and so he was very cautious and very skeptical. But over time, Tom got to witness this community celebrating every single person as a person who was exceptionally noteworthy, treating them with dignity and love. They mattered, treating them all as humans. And Tom knew that some of these people, the prevailing culture would ignore them and degrade them, and yet here they were being celebrated. And I know that impacted Tom. Tom saw a community of people who understood how fleeting and temporary wealth can be, like wildflowers that fade away. And so they didn't use wealth as an identity marker or a measurement of someone's value. They valued sharing possessions more than hoarding possessions. Tom saw a community of people who endured. They remained behind with one another, with those who fell apart, those who crashed and burned, so that they lack no one. And witnessing this community of people with faith who were bound to one another, people who live with the, the you-can-count-on-me factor. Tom witnessed a community that did not lead, need to escape into a fantasy like the books he read. They weren't afraid of being dead longer than they were alive, but neither were they afraid of living. Their hope ran farther than this world. They understood that, yeah, we're not going to find everything we're looking for in this life. That's just true. 
but we can face it together, and that's part of how our souls grow and become more like our Creator. We endure, we remain together, and we look forward to a renewed heaven and earth together. And so little by little, bit by bit, Tom began to come out of his shell. When no one else was really paying attention, he'd laugh at a joke that someone else had said, or he'd put some Doritos on his plate and eat them. He would stay in the room after the gathering was over for a bit. Little by little, bit by bit, Tom warmed up even more. I remember when I saw other people striking up conversations with him and he was actually talking with them and having no idea what they were talking about, but seeing a smile on Tom's face, maybe a laugh or a chuckle. And Tom began to cautiously share ideas and opinions. It turned out he liked peanut butter and pickles. I remember seeing our countercultural community make realizations about Tom. They would name gifts that Tom had to offer to others like, wow, you are good at drawing. Or, wow, you're a fast runner. And little by little, bit by bit, Tom found his voice in the community. He was joining the conversation, playing the games right along with us. He'd volunteer to help the community, put away chairs after a gathering or clean up. And there were those incredible moments when Tom was the person who said the most insightful comment of the night or the one who won the game for his team. Little by little, bit by bit, Tom was learning to be loud, to be confident, as James says, that he mattered, that he was exceptionally noteworthy. And as he became convinced that he mattered, he could not help but fall in love with the God and the community who had helped him to realize that he mattered because he was created in the image of the creator of the universe. Let the brother or sister who does not rise far from the ground of society be loud. Let them express a high degree of confidence that they are someone who is exceptionally noteworthy. Let them boast about how high from the ground they actually rise. They matter. God smiles on the person who remains behind, who endures in trials, because once they have become accepted, they will receive the crown of life. Not the crown of achievement or merit or wealth, but life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, this wasn't something that Tom accomplished. This wasn't something that I accomplished. It was something that we, the church, the countercultural community, accomplished together. Remember, James wasn't written this letter to individuals. This letter is written to a community. And so 80 different times in the letter, the word y'all is used. This is to y'all. And so it required an entire countercultural community for this scriptural command to become a reality 
for someone like Tom. Now, there are a lot of Toms out there. And my story about Tom, actually, I have a confession, it doesn't represent just one person. This story about Tom is a story about a lot of different people who I have known, who have all been in a similar place. We've, we've all been, or we could all be, at some point, Tom, where we feel like, I just don't matter. And we are all responsible for befriending the Tom in our life, introducing them to this countercultural community. We can't change everything for them, but we can introduce them to the community. And we are all part of the countercultural community that every single Tom experiences. So in closing, I want to ask you to listen one more time to this scripture, these words that James writes, and let Jesus speak to you. How would Jesus have these words change you? What, what, as you listen, what are you realizing about yourself? What messages about your own value and worth have you picked up from the culture? And are those messages true? What's Jesus saying to you about how you value money and achievement and how you value people? And ask Jesus as you listen to show you a tangible way that you can celebrate someone in your life this week who the culture treats as a nobody. How can you show them that they are someone who's exceptionally noteworthy? Let the brother or sister who does not rise far from the ground of society be loud. Let them express a high degree of confidence that they are someone who is exceptionally noteworthy. Let them boast about how high from the ground they actually rise. They matter. Nevertheless, the rich person among those who do not rise far from the ground will like wildflowers pass away. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls, its beautiful face is lost. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their pursuits. God smiles on the person who remains behind in trials. They endure because once they have become accepted, they will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Just one final question. What, what is Jesus saying? What do you think Jesus might be saying to you through this scripture? As you reflect, I encourage you not to respond with information, theories, that kind of stuff. That's holding the scripture at arm's length. No, what are you realizing about yourself? And what is the spirit, what is your creator doing in your life? 
Reflect on that. Love you, friends. Thank you for joining us for a Sunday sermon from Neatart's Friends Church. We hope you'll join us soon for one of our in-person worship gatherings. For more information, hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. God's peace be with you, friends.